People aren't going to listen to this one because Super Steve isn't here this episode. Oh, so depressed. Oh, he's just never going to come. Like, the show is done. This show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners. Indie Comic Book Noise. Who's excited for some independent comic book noise? I hope ooh, every listener ooh, is. Ooh. We were hoping for Superior Steve, but he was called away to a bunker emergency, which just leaves you with your three regular hosts. Me, Andrew the Alley Rabbit, a from Los Angeles, California. Way up in the icebox, it's WRX Kev. Say hi, Kev. I guess we can't talk about Why the Last Man on here. And from the nation's capital in lovely Ottawa, Ontario, Phil, the Ottawa Otter. Say hi, Phil. What kind of bunker problems is Steve having? Like a faulty toilet? <laughs> I I assume supervillains have broken in. Uh-oh. But we welcome you to episode 489. We're closing in on the big 500. Yeah, you promised me big guests for that one. Big things are coming, according to Andrew. Big things. Yeah, hopefully Super Steve. <laughs> wow. That'd be a good start. You know what? That'd probably be enough. <laughs> he can send in his segments. <laughs> Indie Comic Noise is part of the Deliberate Noise Network, which is a collection of podcasts and everything you need. Check them out. Thanks to Derek, as always, the big boss man. Also want to say you can find old episodes of this show at our website, IndieComicBookNoise.com, where you will also find show notes. Sometimes I sprinkle some links in there. Check it out. Listen to old shows. Sometimes I edit them. And often, sometimes there's even, if there's free stuff online, you know, sometimes it's promos or clips or whatever. So that's why I really would suggest doing it. You can also find the show on social media, on Twitter, IndieComicBookN.com. Facebook fan page. Find uh, we have individual Twitter handles, which I'm not going to bother with. As you heard at the beginning, there's a disclaimer. Hey, maybe I need some new friends on there. Uh, Phil, maybe you're you never on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he pops in every so often, every three months. Mm-hmm. Up from every six months. As you uh, heard from that disclaimer, that just means there's bad language. As we hear any comic noise talk about everything. Independently, come book noise, whether it's book reviews, uh, news, trends, whatever comes across our path that can involve board games now. Yes, that can involve a strong language. So that's why that's the only reason we have the warning. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I, wasn't um, supposed to say, I don't remember anything crazy with the usual disclaimer. Yes, oftentimes I don't, I don't think anything happened. We're very I'll tame, say nothing happened that that deserves stuff. attention. And that one time, the three times I talked about Savage Dragon coming all over the place. Besides that, it's not really not that bad. No, and I'm sure there was some deeper metaphor in those Savage Dragon comics. No, no, he was just all over the wall, everywhere you can imagine. Well, I'm going to date the show, Andrew, and say Ant will be coming out shortly. And, and I don't know if we're going to be covering that, but... Uh... Oh, the Eric Larson one? Yeah. I picked up the 
what was it number 13 yeah. the tween yeah, you, guys yeah. talked, you and steve i think talked about the yeah. uh yeah but the, the issue one will be coming out shortly mm-hmm. i'm gonna grab it i grabbed the other one too so it says an all new origin uh no no it continues it's just like a continue of the story he just did that one issue to wrap it up the old series and then i uh, mean i'm just saying what the solicit text says all new origin all oh, new all then. different okay I thought okay. We'll see. I continue it. Yeah, I mean, if maybe I see he it, rebooted it. Maybe not. <laughs> Buy it and find out. I like that better because then she could probably, you know, fit into the Savage Dragon world more. Although I thought she always did. Yeah, I mean, if I see it in the store, I'll definitely pick it up. I like that little transition issue. I thought it was fun. I mean, we'll see where it goes. It was really wasn't much in the way of heavy lifting and it like phil said it was kind of a wrap-up more than yeah here's where we're going in a way but yeah i'll give it a shot why not i wonder how long he can keep both uh i doubt yeah like it says ongoing series but unless he's only gonna put out a few issues a year like that seems like a lot of work i'm guessing it's gonna be like four or five issues well maybe you can bring on someone to help out i'm not averse to or, yeah, or you can pass it on. But yeah. who's going to want Antho? You know, besides, like, maybe Savage Dragon fans, you guys. Know. Well, Andrew, he, his quality in comics is dropping because he's so hooked on Spawn now. Yeah. Hey, I'll, mean, t- I'll do it. I'm available. See? <laughs> See? I can pencil. He, he didn't uh, didn't put out all these interviews, and he didn't uh, start... Uh, you know, calling people out and putting out uh, 50 variant covers for that ant number one. So I don't know. For me, I'd rather just read ant once in a while. Really? Like, I don't need a whole series of ant, but I'm going to pick it up for now. But yeah, I would say six issues because I was looking at the Supreme yeah. that he did. And mm-hmm. it's weird Giant that there's it. a rare appearance by Omni-Man that shows up yep. in there, too. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this also gets him fired up for Dragon, though, to have something on the side you know to absence makes the heart grow fonder type of thing where you get to flex some different muscles well and ananta has been in savage dragon before so i'm sure she'll show up there again too like she'll might become a regular character even if her series fails you know well i can certainly see a cross promotion make sense to get some yeah buzz in the streets not too long ago i forget how long ago but uh there was an ant and spawn crossover with savage dragon yeah, I mean, you need to get the get those think- uh, tween boys interested. Mm-hmm. They're the future. That twenty year olds? <laughs> no, tween. You're uh, twelve, yeah, eleven, rings. thirteen year old. Twenty kids. to thirty year olds are in betweens. <laughs> you need them to get excited, take their middle school money, and plunk down on some hot new comics. That's what he needs to come out with, right? Some uh, some YA uh, Savage Dragon as a as a as a teenager going to school. Oh, well, see, that that's the mistake. We because when we were kids, we all read comics that were way more violent than were intended for their audience. Like that's the thing. Kids want the like the thing that's a little bit over their head type, so to speak. You know, ah. you can't tell me when you weren't young people. You weren't exposed to media that was past your age group. I I, I, I never had rules what comics I couldn't get. 
I don't know. It, because those were like indie comics or Spawn or like Vertigo. And I usually steered. I mean, sure, maybe like Ninja Turtles was 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 above. But usually I steered clear of certain things. I was just like, I remember like the ad for like Preacher or something. And that told me everything I wanted to know. And I didn't want to read that. I can't imagine that some of those yeah. people that bought Spawn the first time weren't. 12 and 13 or whatever. Oh, I, I must have been. I must have yeah. been. Yeah. Well, I'm 78. Spawn came out when? 91, 92, something like that. So I'm that old. <laughs> I'm not doing the math. <laughs> I thought you were 78 years old. <laughs> no, I'm from 1978. So I guess I was a little older. But. Yeah, 92, according to the interwebs. So 78, yeah, you would have been uh, 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so was yeah, a little so mature for you. Like I, I got into image right away with all the number ones. Yeah. And, and that was certainly probably a little too much violence, some might say, for a 14-year-old. But it didn't stop you, did it, Phil? Nope. You were kind of like, that's exciting. Look at all this crazy action. <laughs> it's true. As a kid, that's... Image comics were good for people my age, probably, really. Cause, yeah. yeah, I think that's we, the best. We didn't know about good stories or art or things like that as much, you know? Apparently, those are good stories. Well, I still enjoy them, but it's probably because I read them as a kid, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. But so they're you... not stories. Well, I'm <laughs> just saying, I think that that's a way to lure kids in, at least when I was younger, <laughs> the forbidden fruit angle. I remember reading things like Savage Sword or Conan and everything that was not mm-hmm. age-appropriate, but you loved it. Yeah, a few Conans. Was I, just, I, I was watching something. Right. It was about, like, a comic warehouse, and then, like, either the owner or the guy working there was, was talking about Image and Valiant. And it was funny, he described Valiant as the company that had the stories and Image as a company that didn't have the stories. So I was like, whoa, this is a reverse take. Wow. You know, some people like to look down on uh, on classic value. Do you guys remember your first adulty type comic? What What's considered an adulty type well, comic? I would Bob- say Savage Sword for me, because that had, like, you know, some breasts and definitely people dying and getting cut with swords and everything. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Either Ninja Turtles or Conan, but I think that was just, like, people fighting with swords. Mm-hmm. Well, not just in Conan's case, not just fighting, but like actually, you see swords cut people's heads off and sword that, go into bodies, that sort of thing. Have you read? Like, I didn't have like the Turtles number one, but if you've read the Turtles number one, there's definitely some head chopping action going on in that book. So that was probably not age appropriate, but it, like I said, it was thrilling, exciting. It felt like you weren't. You know, you were peeking behind the curtain. And then, oh, I also have to think those are legitimately good comics. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. done a lot of revisiting. Maybe they weren't, but I no, always No, no, held... those Turtles comics are good. Like, oh, I, I remember reading sword. about the Fugitoid and all that. And then you you see, like, the the weird Krangs at the end of the... Is it the third issue? I don't remember. I still like seeing, you know, sometimes I come across the Savage Sword here or there. Always mm-hmm. like looking at least the covers. Yeah, the covers are always my favorite part, probably, too. And there were some, uh, it was still the era of, like, dirty comics, so there were some X-rated ones, but those are generally pretty forgettable. Like, those, their appeal was solely 
like forbidden fruit. Now with the internet, I can't imagine those things have an audio. Like, you know, who needs a dirty comic book when you have Google at your hand, you know? Yeah. So, so people don't buy that, that manga or that Omaha thing, cat dancer or black kiss anymore. I don't think in Western, I don't think the, is Omaha still around? Like I thought. No, but I mean, (laughs) that type of thing, people don't buy, people don't, don't, uh, I mean, for nostalgia or something. When Dynamite or Avatar or Boundless or uh, all those companies put out their variant covers and then no one's buying those Xenoscope, no one's buying that stuff anymore. Yeah, but that's more TNA, like some nude covers or whatever. But I don't think, like, at least the stuff of that I've read, I mean, yeah, there's some, but it's not, they're not really dirty comics. They have some of that in there, but they're not full on. It's just some nudity mixed in. And depending on the company, the artwork is not... (laughs) I guess it's more of a, of those bagged variant covers that that is probably the yeah. I don't get the nudie high price variant, but I also don't really care. Like if that's your thing, it just seems like well, I'm not much for paying big prices on variants, anyways. But it does seem funny how like you know you get the nude cover, which must be easy for the artist. You just kind of redraw the. You probably can use the same image, right? And you just redraw some of the parts of it. I don't know. Uh, that that's what some of those covers used to do because you like that you would never see them the full image in previews. But I don't. I haven't noticed lately. Maybe I, I'm just so blind to it now. But they used to advertise, ask for the adult previews in previews. Yeah, and like I don't remember them saying that in like maybe years i don't know and i've never seen adult previews previews yeah like i said i think that market had to of the internet has to have dried that up at least somewhat like it wasn't all that you if you just want nudity or whatever there's loads of it everywhere you want something integrated into your story well that's a little different but uh but like you say i still i used to see them at shows i mean not as much of course, I haven't been to a show in forever, but yeah, you sometimes <laughs> see those. Hey, if it makes someone happy and they want to, that's how they collect comics. I don't have a problem with it. I just don't really understand it always. So Sega's coming back. I heard or that. Or is it Saga? Is I it Saga? Saga? <laughs> I, uh, as you gents probably know, I think I checked out after the first dozen or so. Well, I got six volumes, but I've only read two. Huh. So you can catch up before it get comes back. Well, how many more volumes are there of like just the soft the soft cover ones? Wasn't there like fifty fifty two or fifty four issues? I think something in that range. Yeah. And I just recently discovered that apparently there's a big thing at the end of the the like the issue bef- like when they went on hiatus. And I like all these this two years gap wait, I didn't know like there was supposed to be a big cliffhangery thing. Like, I guess people don't talk about it. Like I never even, I think that there's really once you're going on break or whatever, you're dead to the, like everyone's focused on what's in previews and what the spoilers are and what's happening. Once the book comes out, it feels like for a lot of the community, it, you know, they're not interested. Like they're on to the next, What's the next hot reveal, hot first appearance or whatever? 
also don't know if other people faded too. Maybe I'm the only one, but like I said, I faded pretty quickly early on in it. But you probably know the numbers, Kevin. Was it doing as well the whole time? I haven't looked at numbers in like years because like it used to be like a fun chart thing to to look at like back in the day. But it like became irrelevant to me like what the numbers were. I'm like, I'm just buying whatever. Yeah, that's how I like if something sells three thousand copies, I'm like, that's that's never like that's not a purchasing decision or a decision on that affects anything on any level. Yeah, I. Uh, but you're right. It was. Everywhere. I mean, I guess if something sells a million copies and you were going to speculate on that book, you wouldn't order it because it's selling a million copies. Like maybe on that level, that that affects you if you're thinking about that. Wait, so I shouldn't have bought all those spawn issues, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> As a speculate? No, I'm joking. I only bought myself a reading copy. Don't get all worked up, people. There are plenty of copies available, I assume. I don't know. Maybe they all got gobbled up. I don't know. Sometimes high demand means there'll be there's even more demand than other comics have. Yes. So eventually people will still demand it. Like that that is sometimes a thing. And it's well also remember lots of people are gonna be locking up a vast number of copies. Wow, that's a thing. And their personal you know, storage for high value. You know what I mean? If they think it's a hot book, well, whoever people go big and those copies will not be circulating because they'll be locked away in gem mint condition waiting for whatever day those people wait for. I mean, those people that bought 20,000 copies of Spawn and waited, number one, and waited 30 years, like after 30 years, those people are making their money back right now. Yeah, so if you buy up, I mean, you don't even need to buy that, but say, say you know, enough people are buying like 10 copies or something, that can add up in a hurry, especially but if, if they, you bought, I don't know, some, um, what's, I don't know, Ecto Kid number one or some. I love Ecto Kid. I don't know, you're not doing so well. What do you mean? Ecto Kid's awesome. <laughs> I love that comic. I'm just trying to think of some comic that. You know, the, the, there's a lot of 80s comics and everything that's yeah. like... Well, that's a quality comic, Ecto Kid. That's worth getting if you ever see in the dollar bin. That's where <laughs> I, I never got see those in the dollar bin. Oh, no? That's where I got all mine originally. But yeah, I was no. huge fan of that. That's, that's one of my ones that I've been meaning to reread uh, at some point. Well, I realize that I owe you gentlemen a ex- two things. One is a small review, and second... Yes, oh. it's the return of the Black Hammer segment. Oh, I no. need to review May's book by Jeff Lemire from Dark Horse. Oh, Comics. I waited so long, I didn't even know if I should order it. Yes, uh, <laughs> I had picked up number one at the five ninety nine price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I went back for a second thought to see, and then as soon as I saw the price point, I went, nah, nah. And okay, I must have missed this one because I did not know this was a Black Hammer one. It's not. Kevin oh. says it's not. It's I say everything Jeff Lemire does is somehow related to oh. Black Hammer. Okay, now I'm more confused. <laughs> That's I, because the one time I brought a book on here and I pretended it wasn't a Black Hammer one and it was a oh. stealth Black Hammer book. Well, anyways, 
I hesitate to speculate on the creation and initial distribution plans for a book, but my humble advice to everybody here is wait for the trade. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Um, while this issue is very big, I feel like its pacing does feel trade-like. And I'll tell you why. Because it's such a long issue, which justifies the high price point, mm-hmm. they put the stinger on the last page, as you would, but because of the long, so many pages of the book having this one tone, and there will mm-hmm. be some spoilers, so just jump ahead a couple minutes if you don't want to know. But it's basically the story of this man and his uh, child died. And it's years later, and he's basically really a shell of a man. Mm-hmm. He goes through the same day. He doesn't really have a lot of affect. He goes to his job at the city planning. Like, people are like, oh, you want to go out to lunch? And he's like, no. And it's like the same routine. Day. And so the book does a good job of sort of that bleak portrayal of, you know, just kind of how hard it must be. Like, losing a child. Like, that's a real... And so it's a very serious matter treated in a very serious way. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with the stinger at the end. He gets a call from an unknown number and it's his daughter saying she has to find him. And it just feels so weird that they've spent like 35 pages with a very realistic, you know, the kind of impact and real grief, not overly performative, but what you would expect, like, He's never going to be the same. He just goes to his job. is very drab, like everything is plain. And he talks about he's having trouble remembering her face. And all these things that, you know, are real stages of grief and real elements. And then to after, you know, whatever 35 pages or however long this is, to then put some mysterious stinger at the end. It just feels like that's a weird, like maybe in the course of a trade, because maybe the next issue will have a different feel or something. I don't know. It just felt a tonal shift that I was not necessarily expecting. I was thinking this is more, oh, this is going to be like Essex County. Like, yeah. not, not necessarily. I underwater welder. Yeah, or something like that, where there might be fantastical elements, but a very kind of grounded in real human emotions type of thing. And now I don't know, because it just flips to this weird... A weird ending with him like oh the daughter like you have to find me i'm in the center and there are images throughout showing like a maze and there's a metaphor of the sweater she wore that was unraveling and you know you can think of that as like a trail through a maze type of everything and it's what well, yeah. like i said it's a, a serious it feels like a serious meditation for a lot of pages for more than a regular book and then to flip to like you know it's three in the morning daddy come find me and he's like what like it's some kind of Liam Neeson, and now he's going to bulk up and shoot somebody, or I don't know. Like yeah. it, and that's you why I think what? in the trade, you're going to get that next chapter, yeah. and it's going to feel like, as opposed to like 40 pages of just depressing, like, I get it, like it's it's terrible. Like even a decade later, I think it's 11 years, or however long it's been, you're not really the same, you're not recovered, you're not, you're just going through the motions. And, I, and maybe this is not going to be real or it'll be cathartic and showing how to turn the corner or maybe she's a ghost or who knows. Like, that does leave that mystery. But after being 
in that world for that, that realistic world for that many pages, it's hard for me to shift out. And that's why I think the trade format feels natural. Now, if this was a regular size issue, it might feel less of that, but you know, reading 35 bummer pages of a real scenario. I think you've totally sold me off this comic. (laughs) Yeah. That's why the twist might, might work. I also, Echoes in a way of uh, not not nearly as serious, obviously. I mean, the serious kind of turns me off in a way. But like Scott Pilgrim had like like a, a big people went what? But even that had a lot of hints before leading up to the weird, not re- really reveal at the end, but the unreality of things going on. Yeah, and that could be in here. It just it's a lot of issues of uh. Like I said, I hate to repeat myself, but it's a, it's a worthy topic. I remember that uh, Soul book or One Soul that came out from Oni, the big hardcover. And the artist, he had lost a kid as well. And it was kind of this sort of really moving hardcover <laughs> book about that and the different connections and everything. I'll try and look up and put it in the show notes to drop to it because I'm pretty sure we reviewed it. And that was the real. But then I you don't know if you really want to. Do I want some twist on that? Maybe I do. But I think having it all together lets you kind of feel the rhythms better. I'm probably terrible. Like, if it was in some kind of sci-fi thing, I'd probably be like, oh, this is like a legitimate topic to the sci-fi. But when you start out with, like, more real world, then I'm like, uh... I guess that's the medicine, right? Yeah, and also... Uh, I guess that's, we want that twist or what, or I don't, I don't know. And I think that's where, as I said, the length kind of works against it in a weird way. And that's why I wondered if this was meant to be a trade where that length would give you enough of his world. And then you switch to her world. Cause it looks like on the next cover, they switch places. Maybe it's from her perspective. I don't know. I, I'm kind of like thinking like i said this is a better trade weight and also i wanted to give you a note of the tone like you ain't gonna be laughing (laughs) laughing it up at this one well i was also wondering about like if he was like innovating all these crazy layouts and everything with with like the the thread going through the issue or the that he's trying to follow in the maze like that could be really in-depth or crazy. And that may pay off. There is, as I said, some of that. Uh, that's the only color is red, her red sweater and the red th- thread. And there are interstitial pages. You know, he dreams of her and he'll see her. And like I said, he can't remember the face, which I've heard people talk about. You know, even people really close after a decade or so, sometimes details get lost. And it doesn't mean they don't love that person or whatever. It's just how the brain work can work in those situations. So like I said, it seemed like it was going to be a serious meditation on grief and loss. And then at the end it has the sci-fi twist and I'm like, Oh, is this for real or how? I don't know, but I can see how that could pique people's interest. Like, Oh, maybe, but me, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to be bummed out. (laughs) 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 And I know you're thinking, Andy, grow up. Like, you should read comics based on all manner of subject material. I mean, I don't think someone 
like you read different things. Like I don't I don't know if people would exactly criticize you for oh, like you only read one thing. Like I feel like you read different stuff. Yeah. Also the cover, I thought it was gonna be more of a mystery, and maybe it ends up so, but like I said, getting browbeat with the death of this guy's child isn't the way to get but i do like you know i like his art the storytelling is clean the art's good there was only one double page spread that i had one question about if you want pendant andy to show up and that is he's at work at his planning office going over these plans and like the co-workers are like oh do you want help and he's like no i'll do it myself and they're like do you want to go to lunch you know it's jim's birthday He's like, no, you know, and that's that whole, like, he's not engaging with life thing, which I get, but it cuts to a double page spread of him leaving the office through these cubicles. And the Mm -hmm. problem is I don't see his chair. Like he's shown sitting down. I mean, maybe he got up and walked into another cubicle, but he's a standing desk. No, because he's shown sitting down working on the plans. (laughs) So he's working on these plans and he's using a red pen. And it goes through the thing, kind of like the red yarn. And that's when the coworker comes over and tries to engage. And then it cuts the double page thread of him walking away, which is a nice image. But then when you're like, where, where's the chair? Like, where was he sitting in this panel? It looks like he would be in the cubicle that he's next to, but there are no chairs in any of those three cubicles. So, um... I don't know. That's a very mind. I mean, how crazy. But come on, the editor didn't be like, uh, Jeff, where 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 was he sitting two pages ago? Is that dumb? Is that like the dumbest critique ever? Sometimes <laughs> I, I mean, these I mean, things just way, jump out at me, and I'm like, I can't, you know. It's something your brain picked up on, though. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's a really nice image, and it's a nice sequence, but just that little thing jumps out and you're like, but where, where he was sitting down and then he left. I mean, maybe he switched. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to the chair boys. The, the ghost daughter. Took the chair away. <laughs> anyway, well, well, that's the kind of thing that should tell you maybe what some of my problems are. I can't yeah. believe when I get hung up on stuff like that. It's so stupid. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really say that's... See, that's not even, like, uh, unclear storytelling. There's just, like, something is missing here, and your brain's just like, huh, how about that? Yeah, and then I just... My brain instantly is trying to map out... I don't know, for some reason, like, the space in between the panels, I map out in my head a lot. I guess just kind of natural. You know, you put the flow together, kind of the in-betweener in animation terms. You know, you have panel A and then panel B, and my brain sort of moves all the characters from A into where they are in B. Is this like the Seinfeld apartment? Like, if you try to construct the hallway in his apartment and everything, it's like some really weird layout? Yeah, I think. And so, normally in comics, especially by someone like Lemire, who's, let's be honest, like, he knows what he's doing. I think I'm more expecting that to flow easier. Because I read plenty of, like, very rough indie books where that's, you know, like, who kn- like things are floating all over the place and <laughs> things aren't anchored. But anyways, that's um, May's book. 
I'm saying trade weight or flip through in the store maybe, but it's a lot of that, uh, a lot of that in issue one. So I made the right decision not ordering it. Okay. Good to know. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a hot book and you'll be killing yourself because you could flip it for a million dollars. I mean, every every one of his books is technically a hot book that could be adapted. So, I don't know. I remember selling off all that Sweet Tooth stuff and, like, another vendor buying my uh, five issues of Sweet Tooth, one of five for five dollars. <laughs> 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 that was, like, a few years ago. Hey, what are you going to do? You know, you can't keep that. You, what people don't understand is that for a lot of us, storage isn't infinite. You know, is it's not true. like you can just buy every, like, 10 of every, even if you had the money. Like, I don't have the room to store everything uh, I buy. Yeah. I can't even store the stuff I like. That's why I do them purges occasionally. I so, mean, that's a real problem. I listened back to myself in one episode and I said something and I was like, Oh, I never did that. So it was myself from the past was reminding myself now that I was supposed to do something. I remember saying I was going to pull out one of these newspaper inserts with uh, comic strips and I was going to take a look through it. So this one is from uh, Sunday, January 23rd. 1994, you want to do some time traveling? I like time. 1994 seems like a good year to me. Phil, was that a good year for you? Apparently not. Sorry, my mic was off. <laughs> I must have said something awesome. So anyways, this wasn't, this, out of all the things I could have picked, uh, this wasn't, this wasn't the greatest one. Like, it, it, it sort of brings me back. I'm like, I would, they're available they're comic strip comics. I'll How do you have them, this strip still? Like, like you have this is an old newspaper you have in your hand. Yeah, this is a new color newspaper insert. That's are like, you a hoarder? Uh, many pages. Yes, we're all kind of hoarders. <laughs> <aren't> we? <laughs> well, Kevin has seven thousand newspapers. I'm looking around my room, room, I got a wall of board games. Uh, <laughs> over here, a wall of DVDs and seasons. Over here, a wall of two walls of comic trades. <laughs> Don't forget, the ac don't forget action figures, Phil. <laughs> Those were, yep, pinned on the walls here and there. <laughs> yeah. I remember cutting some out, and I remember just keeping, like, I don't know. I don't think it's even a run of six months, maybe. But it's just, like, one, like, small period of time. Like, I just mm -hmm. kept a few of these and then stuffed them away. Yeah. So now it's kind of cool, but it's like, I don't know why I did that. I guess it was a fun thing to do. Most kids your age were hiding Playboys under the mattress, but okay, I get it. So the the big front cover thing here is these are all in color. I don't know if I said that. Uh, the big front cover thing here is uh, peanuts. Probably one of the best things in here, honestly. Really, I always liked them. I had my older brothers and sisters had the collections of the mm -hmm. stuff from like the 60s and 70s and stuff. Yeah. And it's weird how like the characters kind of evolved some of their how they look and everything. I was like peanuts. It's easy to read. Yeah, I never really got into that one. You know it's funny. I look at some of these different styles in here and it's like looking like someone that doesn't read comics but they read the comic strips and then they comment on them like they say, "Oh, I wasn't into the way this one is drawn and that one is drawn." And I'm like 
it's like a, a, you're they're doing the same thing that we do when reading comics but they're like oh, i only read comic strips but they have like the same type of opinions like oh mm-hmm. that one's too that one's too rough or this one's too smooth or whatever and i like yeah i look definitely look at the penis now and i'm like yeah this looks like more like a scratchy indie type of thing <laughs> like it's just so weird looking it's it's that that shaky like unsmooth line right it looks like a little bit like unrefined but like everything works and it's just a little thing about uh instead of using a cardboard box to go down the hill he has like a real sled and he's like nobody's gonna beat me and then you just see snoopy with his uh little like plastic i guess this is his dog bowl then is actually faster than the sled to get down the hill so what we also have here in here is uh, Kathy, and like it's literally like every Kathy strip I've ever read, where mm-hmm. where someone just tells her the same thing over and over, or she says the same thing over and over, and then she gets super excited, starts yelling, and then the strip ends. Yeah, ack, isn't that her phrase? Doesn't she go ack? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, ack is in here. That's uh, that's all I know about Kathy. Whenever I I can see the <laughs> figure. And I just see a pan- a little word balloon with "ack" over the top of it. Well, it, she's in the clothing store, so it goes super into detail about women's clothing. So, uh, not obviously not the target audience, but still kind of funny, Kathy. Than some of the other strips I was into. And then there's there's one about Marmaduke. Always read it. Never was super into it. Never was super into the art style either. Just something about it. What was always weird is, at least down here in Marmaduke, they always have the end panel with like some true life story of a reader's dog that they would send. I think that's what also turned me off, where it's like, and here's this block of text on some true life thing. And then I'm like, why is this here? Like, I guess I I still don't understand the purpose of this thing. Well, if you like dogs, it's a funny story about a dog that fetches the mail or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, more into cats, so that's also I'm like I read it, but I'm just like I don't know. Uh, down here, I think Heathcliff had the same thing. The last bit was like a true life cat story. Really? I'd probably enjoy Heathcliff more. Yeah, you need to dig well, up some not- Heathcliff comics. I know I've read some Heathcliff comics, and I've read some modern ones that are really bizarre. I don't want to be mean, but some might say if you've read one Heathcliff comic, you've read a lot of Heathcliff comics. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Cause there, there's, there's a lot of... I don't know. What do you call them, the modern ones? There's a, there's a lot of... Maybe it's like a non sequitur. It's just... A lot of you're trying to figure... It's like Grant Morrison is writing a Heathcliff comic and you're trying to figure out what exactly is going on. That's a pretty good description. Or it's some stereotypical cat thing, like they're out making noise at night and someone's going to throw a shoe at them or something like that. I feel like that was a lot of them. Kind of like Garfield, it was always lasagna. Like Heathcliff was always having shoes or trying to get food or something like that but not lasagna specific or someone's writing poop butt on the side of a building and all the kids are laughing and they find that's the 
the worst thing ever. It's just, it's just strange. So the next two in here were Blondie and High and Lois. Like decent enough things, but it's kind you know. of a boring, yeah. Blondie well, still like runs family in, in or my, kids in the, things. Blondie still well, in the Americans? LA Times. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of reminds me of how uh, like, like the cartoons, like all the stuff in here is is usually like gag or comedy or family stuff. It's like you never have like I never saw usually adventure strips. Like I would only see like a Spider Man or whatever in like a major newspaper from another city and I'd be like, Oh, that's my one time to read that. I remember uh I think Prince Valiant, Mark Trail, uh Brenda Starr, was it? I saw a few, not a lot. I was the problem was because I wasn't getting the paper every day, like I would just read these when I read them, and those adventure ones aren't good for that. If you're jumping around, it's not as good where if it's just a gag strip, like you don't need to have read yesterday. You just read today and oh, you know, Beetle Bailey forgot his lunch pail or whatever. <laughs> but weren't the Saturday Sunday things like different? Like they didn't follow the continuity necessarily of the weekly stuff. Cause I don't think I read them regularly during the week, but once you have a full color pullout on the weekend, that's when I'm there. I think the adventure strips, yes, had a separate one. And I know even for the gag ones, they're on different timetables. Because I remember yeah. reading about Peanuts and how they had the Sundays were done on a different schedule. I guess they needed them done further ahead. Plus, I don't know up there, but down in the States, they have to make it so you can reconfigure it for different papers. So they oh. usually have a couple extra panels. And that way, the paper, if they need to cut those panels out, the bit still makes sense. They can just wow. reformat it or whatever. So sometimes if you see the full one, I mean, it's not like they're bad panels, but you'll notice like, oh, the bit still works if you lost those. Well, that's yeah. because in some papers, they don't put them in. I mean, the Born Loser in here is fine. Probably one of the better ones, but not, not something I really remember. They're better for better or for worse. I know I should love for better or for worse, but... Kid crying drama doesn't do it for me. <laughs> and the Andy Cap is basically like like Kathy. It's like always the same. Something happens. He goes home. Uh, his his wife or someone yells at him, and then he's like sitting outside the door. Well, he starts in the bar, and then or he's getting <laughs> in a fight or something. Yeah, his, yeah. That thing, I don't think. I just remember him more for his uh, prepackaged snack treats, Andy Cap fries. Don't know if you ever had those. They were a pretty strange, kind of like potato chips, but not really, like some kind of potato flake amalgamation. They were weird, like not like anything else you would eat. Then they pop a crossword in here too, and it's like, some of these you can definitely tell the era. Like I, re I remember looking at like something like an Andy Cap, and I'm like, this guy has weird clothing or something, or this person doesn't dress like me. So then I you see have you some puzzling over like gasoline alley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the next four, it's it's a it's a much better spread. I think you get it. You have a Dennis Amanis, which can be all right. Uh, Kelvin and Hobbs, which. 
I struggle to get into sometimes. It's probably age better. Maybe I was just, I don't know if I would say I was too young to be reading it, but something about it, maybe I, w- I wasn't like the narration and everything like that matches m- like more of an older me than a than a younger me. But there are some decapitated like snowmen and aliens have landed and shot the snowman. So, I mean, snowman fun is usually good. I mean, come on, he has a tiger. I thought you were a cat person. I know. I know. It just, I don't know, something about it. And then you, on the other side, you have Hager the Horrible, which I usually read. Probably it, it was different Vikings are funny, right? Sometimes. I read a ton of Hagar. I don't know that I ever laughed at a single strip. There's some well, one of those things I read, and I guess I would smile or something, but very few, you know, hard laughs from the Sunday funnies. Well, that's the thing here. He's like, he eats his meal, and he says he even ate the plate. Then there's like another meal, and then he's like, let me jiggle around my my tummy here. To make more room. And I'm like, is he smashing the plate that's whole in his stomach? Or what exactly is happening here? And he's like, I can have a little pie. So I don't don't think I laughed, but I mean, it wasn't terrible. And then there's a, a Garfield bit, which compared to some of the other ones are really wordy. Like Garfield's not wordy. That's another one that went through a radical change. If you read the very old Garfields, he's oh, yeah. much like fatter with a little tiny head. <laughs> yes, that's true. And I have some Garfield collections, so yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cat thing, so that usually just has a little bit. Oh, and then there's a a, a Frank and Ernest where the Earth is talking to. Um, Saturn, I assume, and it's talking about something called the greenhouse effect and how the planet is, uh, you know, doomed and everything. I'm I'm glad we solved those problems. So um, you know, this this strip is no longer relevant. And and as a kid reading this, I'm like thinking of the greenhouse. Someone built a greenhouse like a mad scientist in the North Pole, put a giant antenna on it, and is broadcasting waves to warm up the earth like a giant heat you know heat ray like like dr octopus is up to schemes type of thing get your politics out of my comics kevin (laughs) (laughs) the modern scourge that only happened in the last few years (laughs) so it's funny i'm like oh that's one of those like the characters aren't even in this the frank and ernest they just went into a total global warming thing from 1994 (laughs) I'm like, that's great. And then the family circus, which is usually a bunch of kids. But funny enough, well, it's I don't think the story is super interesting. I mean, I think I'm more drawn to the line work because it's more of a smooth, clean style. And I'm like, yeah, I could enjoy this, this style here. So it's funny between the the rough peanut style and the ultra smooth family circus style; those those are the two appealing art styles in the in here. Yeah, I mean, I read family. Oh, good point. Farside's great. I love that usually one. that's always a token one in there. So I don't know. I, 
if I'll if I'll cover another one, but I just thought it'd be interesting to uh, pop that open because I'm usually like I don't I wasn't super into newspaper strips like I read them, but obviously not as much as everyone else did. Well, you hoarded them, so that's something. I mean, yeah, there was there was a brief hoarding period. I mean, they were comics, I guess. Makes I don't think sense. I had any witty things like, oh, it's so funny that people can read comic strips but not read comic books and think they're a comic strip person, but they're not into comics. Like, I don't think I was that witty back then. Next I week, Kevin will give us a review from his hoarded empty pizza boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be filled with cat poo. Well, I uh, also teased, just wanted to touch on, I did go and pick up via and they don't appear to be special canadian editions but i got my four issue grew versus conan okay yeah which is somewhat very similar to the current uh grew versus tarzan, tarzan? Yeah. in that they've added uh tom yates is the guy they added to do the conan stuff so grew is the dumb barbarian and I conan, like that, yeah and conan's drawn in a serious way even when they have him in the same panel and everything which is kind of fun mm. to see them juxtapose but it's the same story where it's going to be three narratives the conan narrative the Gru narrative and then sergio aragonis the artist and mark evanier and some and even tom yates and the colorist uh, make an appearance here and what's interesting here is the colors at least on the aren't always done by the same regular colorist as you know, oftentimes grew, not always, but usually it's Tom Luth doing the colors. But on some of the Conan books, they have assistance by a new colorist, uh, Laverne Kazersky. And likewise, they don't have Stan Sakai always doing the lettering. They got uh, Richard Sarkin and Comicraft. But it's the same kind of Gru has a story, Conan has a story. They cross, they sort of fight. It's done like Rashomon. Where, like, one guy tells a story where Gru wins, another guy tells a story where Conan wins, but they uh -huh. end up, you know, going their separate ways. What I thought really stood out, okay, it's very similar. The Tarzan's the same thing. Like, Yates draws the Tarzan stuff in a serious way, and then there's the Gru stuff drawn in his way. And then they mix, and then it's also stories about Mark and, and Sergio. And usually Sergio's on some crazy adventure in the real world, just like Conan. But what mm -hmm. was different was in the Conan one, it's first of all, this is from like 2014. So at the end of issue four, they tease the Tarzan one. And the Tarzan, it's 2021, so it took seven years. Uh, <laughs> wow. So it's funny how it picks up. The other thing that's really strange for me is the back in 2014, Dark Horse still had ads for things in it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the Tom Jackson or sorry, Steve Jackson games has an ad and yep. some kind of mo And it's just so weird to see like seven years later, it's nothing. I mean, there's like one house ad for a book next to, uh, across from the. You know, they always have, like, the editorial page, which is like their, hey, Dark Horse this month, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think they're calling it Horsepower. You know, there's that, yeah. the company flogging their own stuff page at every comic cast, and maybe, like, a house ad. But back in the day, 
even in 24, they were still running ads, like not. Yeah. So yeah, like, if I was cool going to predict something about the future, I would definitely say that comics were going to have more ads or like more sp- sponsorships, like characters in the books would be wearing the clothing that's being advertised, you know, like there would be more, not less. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, because you hear about, you know, comic sales are up and all this stuff, but it does feel like some of the things have gone. I mean, they can't get ads anymore. I I don't know. I think it's weird. And it certainly fits fine in this. I can see something like May's book, you don't want an ad, but it fits in well in these, like this, this Gru book. And I know Conan's more popular than Tarzan, but still I felt kind of sad that I'm like, that's really a shame they don't get the ad revenue. It's a good way to help offset the cost of the book. Plus ads are usually cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the I like looking at the old ads from the 70s and 80s and 90s. I mean, Kevin, how much fun do we have when we review old books, like looking <laughs> at crazy ads for stuff? It's true. It's even stuff in the 90s when there's like old like internet stuff. Like that stuff wasn't funny then, but it's it's become funny now. So I don't see those ads becoming not like like every ad. That seems like, all oh, this is too modern. It's going to become funny. Like, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. <laughs> like, that that's funny. Also, just a neat art. It's a neat historical archive of, like, what video yeah. game was out. What uh, trading cards were popular or board game. You know, it's uh, this kind of way of showing what was kind of around at the time contemporaneous. Like this, you know, it's, it's the weird. Munchkin game they're advertising. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I don't. I remember that was like a big, th- I mean, it's still probably around today, but that was a big. Well, that's, a, that's Steve Jackson's biggest game. Man. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, that's like a Munchkin ad. Oh, that's cool. And then like an art book for some video game, which is comic book adjacent, but still it, you know, it makes sense. And I don't know what Cybernaut Records, The Adventures of Not, launching 2015. Oh. I'm like, that's, I don't even know what that is. I'm not going to the website they list. So. <laughs> <laughs> The most ads I see nowadays are like there'll be some album from some band like on the back cover or something. And I'm like, that's like the last ad. It's like music is still advertised. And I'm like, that that's weird that that's like the last thing. I don't know. Yeah. And for these uh, Gru ones, the back are always a one page gag strip by Sergio of uh, Gru's main companion is a dog, Referto. Oh, good. Nice. Who um, understands Gru, and so he's like our translator in a way. But mm-hmm. it's funny how uh, <laughs> Referto is the is the back, so they don't get ads on the back. But that's fine. Nowadays, it feels like it's all house ads most of the time. Yeah, maybe it's not very indie to to have ads. I was kind of wondering. I was stuck in that debate of what's more indie type of thing because I was thinking of like Calvin and Hobbes, like he just stopped. And I'm like, would have been, like, is it more indie to stop and just, like, don't do any any of your thing, any more of your strip forever? Or would it have been even more indie to, like, go on the internet and just continue doing your strip and just post it on there for free? Like, I was debating things like that in my head. It was interesting. Yeah, I can, but I think he also had the feeling of, I, I think it was a lot. You know, I wonder if at some point he was like, look, I've taken this 
as far as I can. And I know he was a guy that wasn't thrilled with the shrinking of the newspaper because he liked yeah. to do a lot of experimenting. So maybe he's like, yeah. And I think now he just paints and he probably has enough money. I would guess. I mean, yeah, because he, he never agreed to merchandising, he... which is pretty, which tells you that money's not his main thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was wondering if that's more indie, but I thought he like guest starred or guest drew some some other strips sometimes or something yeah they did a few gag ones where they would oh when it was going they would sometimes swap i think sometimes people cartoonists reach out to him to get him to show up yeah as like a a fun thing which i can see because people have have it in such high regard then i start wondering like if that ran 50 years or ran like peanuts ran like is it competing with Peanuts, then, for, like, top strip, if it goes longer? I think so. But I also think he wanted a certain, like, it's a certain body of work that's very, man. like, it's large enough that it's substantial, but it's yeah. not overwhelming. You gotta be a real intense person to decide to be like, I'm gonna read every Peanuts. Like, it's doable, but it's a much larger <laughs> canon. And I think yeah. you're gonna find that he does more experiments over that. Like it lasts a lot longer. So he's going to do all kinds of interesting things. I feel like anyways, I don't know, but uh, how I think we're get, does anyone have anything else to add before we wrap uh, this I up? Can, yeah, I can do one brief thing. How about uh, th- this? Is, this will be a teaser. Cause I know Phil wants us to get a little Halloweeny in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, I checked back on the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. I like those ones. I get them. Yeah, I have this, a few this, of them. This is the, uh, from Bongo, this is the most indie that I think that the Treehouse of Horror has ever indied. Where it's like guys like Jeffrey Brown, uh, CF, Ben Jones, uh, Jordan Crane, uh, guys like that. Are, are in oh and it's guest edited by Sammy Harkham. So if you've ever wanted to see Simpsons characters that are uh, probably the most off model I've ever seen them. That's the best part. Yeah, like like one one of the bits in here is just like Bart's face like becoming horribly mutated until his head just blows up. Like <laughs> I'm just like what? Like it, and the Jeffrey Brown one is totally like a Jeffrey Brown thing. <laughs> and I hate Simpson comics, but I I love those because they get all the indie guys and yeah. Plus, it touches on horror stuff I like, you know. But since his style is so, I don't know, it's like grimy or something. When the Simpsons go to a house, and they're like, "Oh, this house looks kind of dirty," I'm like, "Well, your whole style looks kind of dirty." Like it kind of. Like, you don't get the impression. It's not like he was drawing clean and everything was clear. And then once they get to the house, he starts doing his real style. No, it just matches everything else. And, like, Millhouse is constantly killing people throughout this whole thing. Like, sort of accidentally. And then he tells his father about it. And his father's just like, oh, oh, phew. I thought it was something serious. You're just killing people. Like, it's <laughs> It's so bizarre, some of these things in here. I wonder if it would be interesting to see those people try and do, like, a regular Simpsons story. 
where they don't. Well, the fun thing about the Simpsons is you can have them do anything and it fits in their canon, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, if if there's one, like I obviously haven't haven't read many of these, but I think this is always the one that's like the the weird one in in all the ones they did. Like, hey, let's just get some like let's go as indie as we can get. <laughs> let's do a Fantagraphics uh, Simpsons Treehouse issue. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, um, maybe next time we'll be a little spooky. For the season. Mm-hmm. Better be. But, uh, yeah. Uh, anything else to add, Kevin? To end us out? Uh, Druk. Panamana needs that vaccine. As do we all. Stay safe, everybody. Take care. Oh.